This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 update video and podcast. Today, we have our weekly look at the numbers, trends, and latest news about COVID-19 with AMA's Director of Science, Medicine, and Public Health, Andrea Garcia in Chicago. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago as well. Andrea, speculations beginning about what we can expect, expect this winter, but first we have a holiday approaching in just a few weeks, and unlike uh, maybe in previous holidays, Dr. Fauci recently weighed in saying people should get out there and enjoy the holiday, at least those that are vaccinated. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, that's right. Well, we're seeing some cancellations of Halloween parades and other events around the country. Dr. Fauci over the weekend really came to the defense of Halloween, saying that outdoor trick-or-treating was perfectly safe. Um, He said it's a good time to reflect on why it's important to get vaccinated, though, urging those who were eligible for COVID shots to get them before Halloween, to protect themselves, to protect their children, because we know, you know, the ability for parents to get vaccinated combined with the low risk of the virus spreading outdoors really offers reassurance um, for celebrating Halloween. And I'm, I'm sure uh, that Dr. Fauci does not like to deliver uh, discouraging news about any holiday, and we'll probably look forward to one where he can have a more upbeat upbeat assessment. I think all of us are kind of looking ahead uh, to these winter months and to the holidays. You know, is there any consensus on what we can expect this winter? Well, in that same interview, Dr. Fauci did warn that enough people remain unvaccinated, which will allow the virus to rebound during colder months. So this is our second full winter of COVID-19 and people once again will be heading indoors where we know the risk of transmission is higher. So as we talked about last week, the surge driven by Delta is receding in the US, but experts really continue to say that increased transmission during the coming colder months remains a threat and that steady rates of vaccination are key to keeping the virus at bay. Um, Most agree that the next few months are really going to be critical with the combination of increased vaccination and some level of natural immunity from the infections that we've been seeing across the country. Um, Those those two things in combination could prevent the catastrophic wave like the one we experienced last winter. I'm hoping so, uh, so that uh, we can enjoy this winter. Um, Vaccination, obviously crucial to making this happen. Where Where are we with vaccination at this point? So providers are administering an average of 949,000 doses per day. That includes first, second, and additional doses. So this, we know, is far below the April peak, but it's higher than the recent September 28th low point of about 625,000 doses. According to the CDC, 216.8 million Americans have received one dose, That's just over 65% of the total population. And of those, 187.2 million are fully vaccinated. So we're at about 56.4% of the population. Um, So the CDC is estimating that 7.79 million people uh, have received a booster dose, which is a pretty significant number. You know, is there any indication that as we look at kind of that, that increase in doses that you know, because of the Delta variant, because of just, you know, 
constant uh, news about the benefits of being vaccinated that we're finally seeing some of the vaccine hesitant beginning to change their minds? So, yeah, surveys from the Kaiser Family Foundation have shown that many of the recently vaccinated did so out of fear of the Delta variant. We've seen like almost 40% of the newly inoculated respondents sought the vaccine because of the rise in cases. And more than a third said that they became alarmed with the overcrowding in local hospitals and the rising death rates. Now, uh, it's interesting because uh, we're proceeding to a, a point where we've got people getting booster shots and then we still have people on the other end of that uh, who are unvaccinated. There's been some discussion about boosters complicating you know, efforts, at least around communication. What, what is it that's behind that? Yeah, so despite the initial bump that came with the surges caused by the Delta variant, the number of eligible people still weighing whether or not to get a COVID vaccine has sharply dwindled. The remaining unvaccinated population, we think, is, is more the hardcore vaccine refusers. They're not, they're not hesitant. Counseling isn't going to sway this group. Um, so the arrival of boosters is making efforts to convince some of these people even more difficult. In September, the vaccine monitor survey from Kaiser Family Foundation found that 71% of unvaccinated respondents said the need for boosters indicated that the vaccines were not working. We know that's not the case, right? We know that the vaccines are preventing severe illness and death. But experts in vaccine behavior fear that the country is starting to bump up against that feeling of persuadable people. And unfortunately, that feeling is significantly lower than the threshold needed for broad immunity from Delta and also possible future variants. But that's really frustrating news. I mean, so on one end, you're going to have a group of people who are, you know, hardened in terms of their resistance. And on the other end, you know, what I call the max faxed crowd who have received uh, their boosters. Um, you know, we still have a lot of work ahead of us. Um, on a more positive note, you know, the number of people eligible for vaccinations is about or could be soon to increase. Uh, there was a movement last week on the Pfizer vaccine authorization for children. Can you tell us where that stands now and what it could mean for our overall vaccination efforts? Yeah, so Pfizer asked federal regulators last Thursday to authorize emergency use of its COVID-19 vaccine in children ages 5 to 11. We know that that could help protect 28 million people in the U.S. The company is submitting data supporting this change to the FDA, and the FDA has promised to move quickly, and they've tentatively scheduled a meeting of their advisory committee on October 26th to consider the application an FDA ruling is usually within 24 to 48 hours of its advisory committee's recommendation. So that would be the end of this month. And then the CDC's advisory committee on immunization practices would consider whether or not to recommend vaccines in this younger population. And that meeting is scheduled for November 2nd and 3rd. Um, we know that this could be a huge game changer um, because children represent such a large portion of the population. That would be a pretty amazing development uh, just after Halloween. And we'll look forward to uh, continued coverage of the developments there. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization 
leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Um, uh, speaking of uh, additional changes, we've also heard that uh, boosters are uh, most likely on the way for recipri- uh, recipients of the Moderna and J&J vaccines. Uh, do you have any news for us on that front? Yeah, so FDA's advisory committee will be meeting this week, Thursday and Friday, to discuss booster doses for the recipients of the J&J and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines. So on Thursday, they'll focus on safety and efficacy uh, data regarding boosters for the Moderna recipients. And on Friday, that discussion will focus on the J&J boosters. The agency typically issues a decision within a few days of their advisory committee meetings, and the FDA's expert committee Um, is also going to hear a presentation on Friday that's really been long awaited that is focused um, on the effectiveness of mixing different brands of vaccine and that will be presented by the NIH. Um, We know that this is a two-step process so FDA will have their discussion this week and then next week ACIP will consider booster doses of Moderna and J&J so that's scheduled for October 20th and 21st and then we usually see a, a decision by the CDC director within about 24 hours. Wow, we'll eagerly await that news, especially on the, the kind of mix and match. That's been a big question mark. Um, you know, on a different front, um, we've also uh, seen Merck apply for emergency authorization use for uh, what would be, as we talked about last week, the first pill to treat COVID. What's the expected timeline for authorization there? So Merck said on Monday that they had submitted an application to the FDA to authorize its antiviral pill for emergency use. We we talked last week about how this would be a convenient, relatively inexpensive treatment that could reach many more high-risk people uh, than the current monoclonal antibody treatments. We've heard that when the Biden administration is uh, preparing for an authorization, that could come within weeks. Um, Senior administration officials have said that the pill would likely be allocated to states, similar to the way vaccines are allocated, and then states would distribute the medications how they wish, so through pharmacies or through doctor's offices. A lot of authorizations uh, up for discussion. We'll continue to follow those and keep you informed. Um, In the meantime, how are we looking in terms of cases and hospitalizations you know, are those rates still going down like we started to see a trend last week? Yeah, so nationally, the country is averaging below 100,000 new cases daily for the first time since August 4th. The average of 97,933 cases is down, is down about 20% from two weeks ago. And the new daily deaths are down 14% to an average of 1,770. However, COVID caseloads do remain high in some parts of the country. So when we look at North Dakota and some of the Western states like Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho, where vaccination rates are relatively low, um, some of those states and some of those areas are really having to ration healthcare and send patients to distant hospitals for treatment. You know, I saw a post from uh, Dr. Tom Frieden, former CDC director and frequent guest on our COVID-19 update that said, you know, it is uh, fallen below that 100,000 mark, but let's keep, keep be clear. 
that's a lot of people still. Uh, so numbers still relatively high, as you said. And, you know, in particular, some of those states that you mentioned are still in pretty dire territory. Uh, North Dakota being one of them that's really struggling right now. You know, anything specific you want to share uh, regionally there? Yeah, I think, you know, the thing to point out in North Dakota is that the state's governor and health professional professionals are really asking residents to avoid any ris risky activities that could burden hospitals and healthcare systems. They've asked the public to do things like drive defensively and skip dangerous activities that could lead to head injuries. And of course, visit your primary care physician to make sure you're up to date on all your vaccinations. When we look at North Dakota, just 45% of the population is fully vaccinated against COVID. Um, and when we look at that compared to the nation at 56%, we know that those low vaccination rates mm -hmm. have an impact. Uh, we'll keep, uh, keep an eye on that there. Get vaccinated, folks. Uh, uh, finally, any additional messages uh, from the AMA this week that are no? Just one, it's not COVID related, but I think it's still worth mentioning as it's a huge win for healthcare. So last week, the AMA came out with a statement in favor of the Biden administration's final Title X rule, which reversed the drastic changes to the Title X fam family planning program. We know this is a major victory for physicians, for healthcare professionals, and of course, for millions of patients across the country who depend on Title X for access to essential reproductive care. Since 2019, the AMA has challenged the former Title X gag rule, advocating against its inappropriate interference in the physician-patient relationship. And we're really extremely pleased that the new Title X regulations will restore and improve access to equitable, affordable care for patients. That's good news for the ability of, for physicians to have those conversations uh, with their patients. Um, that wraps up today's COVID-19 update. Thank you, Andrea, for being here, and we'll check in with you again uh, next week. Uh, we'll be back soon with another segment. In the meantime, for resources on COVID-19, visit ama-assn.org slash COVID-19. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours, or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.